Good morning, church. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a trip. You know, it gets heavy. But like Michelle said, aren't you glad you answered the call? <laughs> it's the it's the most important call that you're you're ever going to receive. It's the most important knock that ever is going to come to the door of your heart. It's interesting because it's an anonymous quote, but somebody who was wise once said, you may not be looking for God, but God is looking for you. <laughs> He's always, he, his eyes go to and fro looking for someone to honor him and to praise him and to bless him for who he is. It's interesting, just like the adversary, his adversary, Satan, he's he's looking to and fro, seeking for someone to devour. You don't want to be devoured. You want to answer the call so you can be blessed, so you can have eternal peace forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we do here, you know, we're, we're, we're very transparent in everything that goes on. And um, I'm super excited to share with you some new information uh, so I met with uh, the leadership yesterday morning and, um, you know, it's something that was just heavy on my heart and I've been waiting and waiting. You know that I, I try to be as studious as I can with, um, you know, with the offering and the ties that come in. And we're very, like I said, transparent with what goes on with the money here. You know, you want to see the books. The books are open. There's nothing. We're not hiding nothing there. Everything that we do here is 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 clear as day. Um, but, you know, it was. It was heavy on my heart for a while, uh, and the Lord, I mean, I won't go through all the scripture, but the Lord has been showing me all kind of scripture uh, in regards to what I'm going to share. He talked about, you know, had showed me in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 9 about sowing and reaping. We know about that, right? If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap death. You know, if you're only out for the world and what the world can give you and trying to feed your carnal desires. But if you if you sow to to the spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. And they brought up to me Malachi chapter three, verses eight through ten. We, 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 we know this. We're familiar with this about not robbing God. And people rob God and they don't want to give offering and they don't want to tithe because they're afraid that God's not going to provide their their needs. God can do more with a hundred dollars than you can do with a million that's the reality. And it's not even about money. It's not about the monetary stuff. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. If we trust God with our eternal soul, but we don't trust him with the measly money we make, what does that say about where our perspective is? We're not correct, right? And then the Lord showed me in Luke chapter 16, verse 9, Jesus talked about investing into the kingdom of God and the importance of that, sowing into the kingdom of God. Whether it's prayerfully, financially, with your talents. And so this has been heavy on my heart because I'm like, Lord, I, I see what is brought in. You know, I don't want to see, but I, I, I kind of have to see in some senses because I deposit the, the money into the bank every every Sunday. And I'm like, OK, Lord, I don't want to hear depart from me. <laughs> You, you, you wicked servant, you worker of iniquity, because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. You, you understand that as, 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 as me being your pastor, I'm responsible for every tithe and every offering that comes in this building. And, and, and if I don't steward that correctly, uh, me and the leadership, that, that's on us. But it's more so on me that we've done poorly for you. And so 
as I, and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a conviction. It was the Lord encouraging me and spurring me on. But as of yesterday, uh, just so you know, a portion of your tithe and your offering is going directly to uh, the International Fellowship of Christian and Jews every month. We, we, we gave something to them when the war broke out in Israel last year in October, but it's kind of, like I said, the Lord has placed it on my heart that this is something that we need to be a part of on a regular basis. Because, again, if you're familiar with Romans chapter 15, it talks about until the fullness of the Gentiles is reached, that the, the, the remnant of, of all the Jews is not going to come to fruition, and then Jesus Christ won't return. We need to understand, church, as a Gentile church, we play a pivotal role. I know it's all God, but what I'm saying is we're supposed to support ministries that are worthy to be, uh, you know, supported. And, 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 you know, we can pray for Israel. That's good. But we can also tangibly help these people. And this is going to help Jewish people all around Europe, all the regions of the world, really. Uh, International Fellowship of Christian and Jews has their hands in all kind of stuff, doing a, a fabulous, a fantastic job, blessing people from just, you know, uh, you know, just material needs to spiritual needs. And, and so I'm just super excited about that and wanted to be transparent with you and let you know, you know, be excited because you're you're sowing into that and you're going to reap from that. And I'm, it's not about money. But you're going to reap the anointing of a ministry that's blessed. So you're going to be blessed with more love, more peace, more joy. You're going to you're going to be blessed with knowing that the money that you give to the Lord is actually being used for the purposes that it was intended. We're not tripping off a building. We don't need a building. We don't need a new building. We don't need to fancy up anything. We, 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 we are in the soul winning here. We want to see souls transferred from darkness to light. Amen. So I just wanted to share that uh, and get that out there in the open with you this morning. Uh, I'll share this real quick because this was super uh, encouraging to me as well. Because I don't know where everyone's at this morning. Uh, uh, you know, God bless you to, to, to our guests. Thank you for coming. Thank you for seeing it fit to come to the Lord's house. And, and again, you'd be, you'd be blessed just on the fact that you chose to come. <laughs> you could have been a million other places. But you said, you know what, I'm going to carve out a little bit of my time and I'm going to bless the Lord. And, and you know what, you get blessed eternally for that. There's things that are, that, are, that are not tangible that you're going to receive just for stepping foot in the door. We know that this building's nothing. This, this building's not, it's not about the building, it's the people. It's the Holy Spirit that we bring into the building. That, that, it's the presence of God Almighty. That's what we want more of. So I don't know where you are today. And what you're going through. We, we all have ups and downs. We're all going through different struggles and circumstances. Whether you're coming out of a storm or going into a storm. Or maybe you're experiencing a moment of being on the mountaintop. I want to encourage you with this verse found in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. And it reads, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. Oh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> he said, "I'm your exceedingly great reward." This statement reveals the terms of the covenant relationship between God and Abram. It shows you what there is for the chosen people of Israel. 
Security, protection, and blessings belong to Abram because of this relationship. Not because of what Abram did, but because of what God is doing and wants to do in and through Abram and his offspring. The Lord would also be with him as both protector and provider of all good things. You see, this, this, this verse shows us that Abram didn't ever need to be shaken by the circumstances of life and live in fear because he belongs to God. Where are you today in that? Are you shaken by the circumstances you're in? Are you shaken by the the things in life that, that seem to be out of control? Or are you secure in the bosom of the Father? You see, for us today as Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, I mean, go to Ancestry.com or whatever. You may find out you may have some Jewish ancestry. Don't don't think it's not true. But either way, as as Gentile believers, we are in a position to receive this same kind of covenantal promise through the work of Jesus Christ. I like what Eric tells me all the time. We're, We're Jews inwardly. We are. If, if, you, if you believe in the true and living God of Israel, you're a Jew. We're grafted in, man. We're all part of that vine. That's why, again, it goes back to why would we not bless, you know what I mean, the, the Jewish people? You know, you got to understand, saints, that, that, that more and more as we move on into the progression of history, we're seeing a line of demarcation that's drawn. And you're seeing more and more people that are siding with darkness and people that are siding with light. It, it's plain to see. At some point, you and I are going to have to take a stand. I won't even get into it, but there's things that went on in our house this week. And, you know, it's teaching our son. You have to take a stand. You have to take a stand. It's going to keep coming. And you can't just sit idle. Because if you sit idle, they're going to make decisions for you. You have to decide in your mind this day, who will you serve? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, our great... Heavenly reward is an inheritance that can never perish or never spoil or never fade away. Don't, don't, don't you trip out on like you might be into something like whatever. You bought yourself a new car or you bought yourself a new pair of shoes or you bought yourself a new cookbook or you bought yourself a new television or you bought yourself a new computer. And, and, and it's fine and good for a while, but, but after some time, all those things seem to lose their luster or they just start to break down and deteriorate. That's the nature of this physical world we live in. Even our bodies, we talk about it all the time. I'm always ragging on, I got gray hair, this and that, and some of us got more gray hair than others, but that's a, that's a natural byproduct of, of living in a fallen world because of sin and things deteriorate. But your inner man, your inner woman, the innermost being of who you are, it's supposed to grow more and more and and be strengthened more and more. And your last day on earth should be your best day. It really should be. It shouldn't be a day of just solely mourning. It should be a day of celebration, understanding that now you've entered into the kingdom of God while you'll eternally be young forever, receiving a glorified body. No more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Our, 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 our unperishable inheritance was bought and paid for by the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach, by Jesus Christ. 
He's the one. He, he laid his life down for the sins of the world. He's, he's, he's already rectified sins, past, present, and future for any human being that would choose to receive him as Lord and God and master of their lives. No questions asked. No money put down. You don't have to, you don't have to explain yourself. You just have to simply cry out to receive the gift of salvation and he will come in and he will dine with you and you will be imputed with the supernatural power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit and you'll be his forever. Your name will be signed and sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, God's desire and great delight is that his people, Jew and Gentile alike, would be satisfied in him. In him. He is our exceedingly great reward. What are you looking to be rewarded with today? <laughs> you see, if we're, if we're fixed on the things of the world and the things that we can accumulate and the things we can touch and the things we can see, we're always going to be disappointed. Those things never fill. They won't. And I'm not saying in and of themselves, all those things are bad. It's not bad to have things and to, you know, have your house in order and to have material things. But those things will never give you the peace and the joy that you're looking for, church. He is our exceedingly great reward. You see, when our relationship with the Lord is our most treasured pursuit... The ultimate prize is a deeper and fuller life and a better knowledge of him. That's, and, and, and we're okay with that. We want to pursue that. We wake up in the morning and we're like, Lord, show me something new. Give me new revelation of who you are. Help me to obey. Help me to walk in truth. Help me to shake off all these things that are always hindering me. Help me to keep my eyes in my skull. That's what Solomon said. A wise man keeps his eyes in his skull. He's not wandering to and fro, preoccupied with all this other stuff. This is what we should be seeking after, church. And I've been extremely humbled by this passage of Scripture that we're going to get into this morning. Uh, so we're actually, we're starting chapter 9 of the book of Ecclesiastes. We've, been, we've spent a while in this book. Uh, and uh, if you've gotten anything from this book, you know the fear of God is so important. If you fear the Lord today, and you have a good understanding of what fearing the Lord means, man, you're blessed. It's a miracle. Because it's very interesting that we can't even come to God on our own merit. He has to draw us to himself. Think about when you were never saved. You had no desire for God. You had no desire for the things of God. You didn't want to honor him. You didn't want to bless him. You were just doing your own thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll save you the story because I say it every week of how I used to be. But I know that this is true because I've experienced it in my own life. But when he comes in and reworks everything and actually gives you the desires of his heart is what that verse really means. And Lord, give me the desires of my heart. No, he's going to give you the desires of his heart. He's going to change you. He's going to rearrange you and you'll never be the same. But if you get anything, if you've gotten anything from this book, the fear of the Lord is so important because it, it, it just it keeps you stable. It keeps you in the foundation you need to be in so that you can be blessed and you can receive joy, love, peace, hope, all those things. 
So with that, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We'll be going through verses 1 through 6 this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have paperback Bibles in the back. If not, use your phone, whatnot. At the very least, we got scripture on the screens. Uh, this message is entitled, Death Comes to All. Man, you can look at that and it'd be like, that's pretty morbid, man. I didn't think I'd come to a church house. They're talking about death. <laughs> death comes to all. But again, let, let, let's keep it in perspective and, and, and let's see how we'll be blessed by it. But when you get there, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll go ahead and read our text this morning. Um, I'll pray and then we'll go ahead and get into the heart of the message. Once again, once again, excuse me, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, starting in verse one, all the way down to six. And it reads, but all this I laid to heart, examining to all how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears as is he who shuns an oath. Verse 3. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. And madness is in their hearts. While they live and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Verse 5. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy has already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Let us pray. Abba God, we thank you once again for this time. We thank you for, uh, again, consecrating us and separating ourselves onto you. We thank you that you've drawn us to your house. We just pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh blessing of understanding. Give us revelation. Empty us of ourselves now and fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit. We know that without your unction, we can understand nothing. We can do nothing. I pray that you would do a mighty work in and through all of our lives. Help us again to rightly divide your word. Show us the application for our lives today. Show us where Christ is in the text and how uh, you know, our lives are so much better for trusting in him. So we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, just a quick recap, kind of get us up to speed. So where we are, uh, we wrapped up chapter eight and we saw that sometimes the righteous suffer and the wicked are blessed outwardly. And that, and that messes with a lot of people. They're like, man, how am I? I'm doing the right thing and I'm over here suffering while these wicked people are prospering. How is this fair? This is one of the mysteries of God will never understand. But we talked about this last week, that he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. His desire is that none perish, but all come to repentance. And so it may seem like the wicked are getting over, but they're really not. They're really not. We should never detour this whole thing of, of, of the wicked prospering outwardly and righteous people seeming to suffer should never deter us from walking in faith and taking Father God at his word. We were reminded that because of the brokenness 
and the sin in this life that there is nothing better in this life than to eat, to drink, and to be merry, <laughs> and to enjoy your lot in life with all of the chaos going on. You see, some people get it twisted, and they look at the people that are, that are super wealthy. I'm not saying this is for every person that's wealthy and has a lot of monetary gain, but some of those people, they have the biggest mansion, the biggest house, the biggest yacht, all this land. They go on exotic trips, but yet they sit down to have a meal, and they have no peace. They're miserable. And then you have on the other extreme people that are dirt poor, and they have no peace. You see, peace doesn't come from whether you're financially poor or rich. Peace comes from God. Having a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, will give you supernatural peace that this world does not know or understand and can never obtain unless they humble themselves. But you see, we can't eat, drink and be merry and enjoy our lot in life Unless we are intentional. We talked about this a lot last week. Being intentional about living with a holy fear of God in our hearts. When we wake up in the morning, falling on our knees, praising God, thanking him for the breath in our lungs, thanking him for keeping us alive throughout the night, saying, Lord, what do you want to do today? And asking him for his will to be done. You see, so many times we're, we're, we're so quick to, to figure out and scheme and plot and come up with these ideas and formulate plans. But we never ask God, do you want anything to do with this? Will you bless? Or we, we come with plans and we say, Lord, will you bless it? Instead of saying, Lord, I'm an open canvas, whatever your will be done, be done in my life. Today we'll begin to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Strap up because it's going to get deep. This is the first main point. We have several like we typically always do, and this is the first one. No matter what your worldview is, the truth is all must return to the dirt and then back to God where we were created. It's very interesting because uh, scientists have already figured out that all of the components and the makeup in our bodies when you look at the dirt, you pick up a, 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 a handful of dirt, all that stuff is already in you. <laughs> all that stuff's in you. There's no difference from what's in the dirt than what's in your body. We are composed of the dust. That's how we were created. We didn't come from some monkey. We did not evolve like that. We didn't come from some spa. We were fearfully and wonderfully created in our mother's womb. And we all come from the lime line of Adam and Eve. That is the truth, regardless of what secular society has to say about the matter. But there has never been such a time as this present day in human history right now, where we are able to obtain so much information in such a short period of time that this overwhelming uh, uh, plethora of information being downloaded to us on a regular basis, it can easily become overwhelming. Voices and opinions are tugging at us from every direction, trying to persuade us to believe that their viewpoint is the truth. Thank you, World Wide Web. <laughs> Everybody has a platform. You know, when all the whole thing and the race riots were popping off uh, a couple years back, everybody jumped on and everybody was doing this and that and everybody had an opinion. 
about anything that comes out. Everyone's got 50, 60, 70 different opinions about the same thing. Or when the pandemic hit, you had some people with, with a master's and, you know, whatever. And they said this, da, 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 yeah, wear a mask. Then you had other people that had the same, that had better degrees and said, da, 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 don't wear a mask. They said this was a hoax. This wasn't a hoax. You're like, well, I don't even know anymore, man. I don't even know what y'all talking about, you know? So there's so much that, that we're bombarded with every day. But this is why the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, with all the confusion constantly swirling around us 24-7, followers of Jesus Christ must learn to simply sometimes just take a deep breath and simply be still and know that he's God. <laughs> you know, sometimes he just says, be still, my child. Stop, stop thinking about everything. Just be still and know that he is God and ask for a measure of faith to just believe. Sometimes you just have to stand and let him move. And let him work and let him fight. Sure, there's going to be times where we got to do our part. But there's other times where he supernaturally just wants you to be still. And know in your heart of hearts that he is God and that he's got you. Verse 1 here tells us, But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. You see, no matter if people bless his name, or curse it, all are under his finger and all will return to him once they die. Some will be rewarded for their submission to Jesus Christ and others will be eternally judged for rejecting the Father's one and only Son. You see, we are living in a day and age where diversity is widely celebrated, unfortunately for all the wrong reasons. And, 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 you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I'm all for diversity. Man, I'm, my mom is Filipino and Portuguese. You know what I'm saying? And, and my dad is, is, is African-American, got a little bit of Navajo Indian. I'm a, I'm a Heinz 57, man. So where I grew up, I grew up, in, I mean, my, my house, we didn't have no traditions like, like typical traditions because we're mixed. We're mutts. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, the celebration of diversity in the world culture, there is a very dark undercurrent to this movement. It's not really about honoring people who are different from us. It's more about saying basically, it's a free-for-all to live however you want and can't nobody get in my business and say anything about it. That's what this whole thing about diversity is. Look at it. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're trying to push on our children. Take this puberty blocker as a fifth grader so you can decide whether or not you want to be a boy now or a girl. What is that? I'm not trying to make this political, but I'm telling you what is the biblical truth. That's not right. You cannot change the inner workings of how you were created. If you're a boy, you're going to be a boy. I don't care how much you want to be a girl. And, and, and half the times you're just confused. When, 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 you're, when you're too young to be a child, 
but uh, you're too old to be a child, but you're too young to be an adult. You know how confusing and hard that is as an adolescent? And now you're trying to over here telling these kids, go do this X, Y, and Z? Mess them up. Messing them up. That's what this thing is all about. They're trying to make it to where they can do whatever they want to do and no one can say anything about it, all in the name of diversity. Again, that I can live the most defiled lifestyle I want to, and because it is my truth, no one can tell me anything about it. Have you heard people say, well, this is my truth. That might be your truth, but this is my truth. And Come on now. Stop. One and one equals two. I don't care if you're on Pluto. That don't change, man. There's some things that just are what they are. We all bleed red blood. Our fingers and our hands and our, our, our torso is all where it is for a reason. Nobody's with a torso coming out like this. It's because there are things that are like that, that are the true, the truth. You see... This is why this movement is so dangerous. Again, like I said, especially in regards to the younger generations. Because they're basically growing up with no regards to authority. And they believe that no authority has the right to speak into their life. Me and Daniel were just talking about this. It's so funny because I didn't tell him what I was teaching on. And we're just having this conversation over here prophesying, man. Real talk. He's just, he's, he's just speaking on it. But we're just talking about it in, in passing. But, but this is what's going on. This is the climate of our culture today. And it, and it truly boils down to pride and sin. Pride and sin. But the reality is those who live like that are those who, who, who honor themselves. They don't honor the Lord. They want to do what they want to do. And either way, those who live like that, that dishonor the Lord, and those who honor the Lord are going back to Him when their lives are finished. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 tells us, this is the account of Adam. This is right after the fall, after Eve and Adam and all that went on. And she blamed the serpent and he blamed her. And it, it just got, and it, you know, it got all crazy. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's why we see caskets. <laughs> Even if you get cremated, <laughs> whatever, you're going back. Even if you're thrown in the ocean, somehow it's all going to come to pass and everyone is going to have to experience that. The second main point is this. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, all you can do is live for the here and now. That's the best you're ever going to get. It doesn't have to end like that. But that's the reality. If you don't have a personal relationship with Yeshua with Jesus, the Messiah, that all you can live for is this life. It is only those who have committed themselves to the rule and authority of Jesus Christ who actually have a real, genuine hope beyond this world. You see, because of sin, all of creation is subject to groaning, in, in, in pain, is not happy. It's difficult. It's trying because of sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 tells us, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. You see, because of sin, all of creation recognizes the futility of life without being joined together with its creator. All of creation. 
All of creation is in great anticipation of the return of Jesus the Messiah to come back and finally restore this fallen world. The whole of nature understands this. The animals, the plant life, the ocean life. Think about it. What they can't explain. Why are these atmospheric rivers happening? Why are tsunamis happening? Why are earthquakes happening in regions of the world where they never happened before? Because all of creation is groaning. Because of sin. They're, it's tired of it, and, and it takes a toll on all of creation. The only ones who seem to be clueless are humans. <laughs> We're like, we'll go to Mars. We'll just hire Mr. Musk, and we'll fund this thing, and we'll figure out how we can get a whole new world together somewhere out in outer space. What are y'all thinking, man? And who could afford that? But the uber-rich people, what about all of us? We're going to be stuck here, man, eating in and out. And toxic junk messed up in the world, man. You know? You see, it's not really that we don't know as human beings, but it's rather we suppress the truth. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You can put women in there too. It just means humanity. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Again, it is because of pride that some refuse to acknowledge, accept, and submit to the authority of God. They would rather try to forge their own path and fulfill themselves with their fleshly desires. Because they lack an eternal biblical worldview, they are forced to live their best lives now. We hear that all the time. Live your best life now, man! Because their life right now is all they have and so they hold on to it so tight because all i have is now how empty is that how 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 futile is that you living for popping bottles you living for champagne you living for the maserati you living for all these things that just they they they, they don't fulfill you and you're left empty that's why we talk about all the time that's why a drug addict continues to get high and goes to stronger drugs because it never fulfills Oh, I went from weed to smoking something else to now I'm on this, now I'm on meth. Why? Because it doesn't work. And they try to numb themselves out to the reality of the world. That does not work. We have to be raw and real with ourselves and say there's a pit inside of me that nothing can fulfill. Who or what can fulfill it? It's got to be God. He's the only one that can fill that void, that hole inside of you. As much as I like the Niners, it's cool. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, but I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't fulfilling me. I don't care if they win. I don't care if they lose. I'll probably yell at the TV if they lose. I'm a Niner fan. But what I'm saying is it does not make me. It doesn't make me because it'll never fulfill me. You see, those who live apart from Christ, they have no hope beyond this life. Third main point is this. This is important, church. Take heed to this, please. We should not measure God's love by what happens in this life, but what happened already on the cross. You see, Solomon had a very difficult time trying to understand the fact that all will die. It really bothered him. It really bothered him to know, man, all people are going to die. I'm going to die one day. That's something we all got to be real about. One day you're going to die. One day I'm going to die. Are we prepared to face our maker? Will we be ready to stand before our maker blameless? Well, if you got the blood of Christ imputed to you, you will be able to. You see, whether they lived a righteous life or a wicked life, he knew all were going to die. And this really bothered him. 
It was as if he didn't even see the purpose for living after all. He got so in a funk, he got depressed. Some of this in Ecclesiastes is depressing because it's an under-the-sun premise without God. But we need to be under heaven with that premise because that means there's something greater and higher and bigger, not just under the sun where it's just toil and hard work and then you die. You see, when you gauge your worth and existence solely on the things that you see happen in this life, you will be very limited in your perspective. Some people would say something like, if God really loves me, then why is my life so hard? And it's genuine. It's a genuine question. You love me. Why is my life so hard? Man, it's hard. It hurts. I I, I don't get a break. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? When am I going to get a break? While people have the free will to ask that question, they must understand that living this life was not meant to give us everything we crave or even make our lives easy. That's where the disconnect is. Some people think that they're living this life for it to be an ongoing vacation, if you will. You see, but because of sin, this life can never be paradise. I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom, but this can never be eternal paradise here because sin entered the world. That is because of what has happened. God already knew Adam and Eve were going to disobey him and sin against him. Yahweh already knew that his creation would need to choose to love him with the free will that he gave them. Remember, he didn't create us as robots. He doesn't force you to love him. You can do what you want to do, but you will suffer the consequences of living a life apart from the Lord. I guarantee it. The Bible guarantees it. You see... This is genuine fellowship. When you freely, out of your free will, submit yourself before the true and living God and say, not my will, but your will. Take my life and make it and mold it. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me, shape me how you see fit. It's not a forced or manipulated love. We've talked about it before. The, 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 the weakest kind of power or intimidation is that of, 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 a, of a pimp to a person. Because all you're doing is bullying someone. That's not true power. Uh, power under control is meekness that's christ he could have came down off that cross in a heartbeat he could have obliterated every single person that that pulled out his beard that put the crown of thorns on his head that 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 mocked him that spit on him that talked smack but he said father forgive them they know not what they do he said i understand the plan that you have that we created from before the beginning of the world and i i have to die upon this cross for the sins of the world so that they can be regenerated and they can be saved so they don't go to hell He understood that. So he said, you know what? Despite this humiliation, I will endure it for the sake of my creation. You see, this life is really a test to see where our loyalty lies. What will a man or woman give in exchange for their soul? The prestige, the prominence. To get, I've I've seen interviews with prominent people, actors, producers, uh, you know, people in the music industry. They've gotten to the top, and they say there's nothing there. I've accomplished everything, and there's nothing there. 
They're empty. They're hopeless. That's why they're strung out on drugs. That's why they're, they're, they're having all these illicit relationships and all this stuff to try to fill this void. Because they're down there in Hollywood and they've done it all and there's nothing there. And people say that they love them. They say they love them. And the next minute they split. That's not the kind of lifestyle you want to live. A quiet and simple and meek and humble life. That's what you want to do. Whatever your talent is, do it for the Lord. Don't do it for the world. Are you willing to endure and suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ? Or will you live out your own selfish ambition and forfeit your soul for worldly gain now? The Bible is, this is what's off-putting to some people. think, man, the Christian life, but no, man, the Christian life super hard, man. <laughs> you, know, you, you know that Jesus said, you're going to drink from my cup of suffering? Oh, it's not, I don't hear a lot of amens. Because that ain't popular, man, to say that you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer for the sake of Christ if you're a real, true Christian in some way, shape, or form. But the suffering is all worth it because this life is not what it's about. But this why, church, you can't measure God's love by the things that happen in this life. But rather, we should measure God's love by what he did upon the cross. Giving up all of himself in order to purchase our eternal freedom. Amen? Repentance is a big part of that. That's another thing too. A lot of churches don't like to preach on repentance. We got to repent, man. We got to have a changed mind. We got to say, I don't want to think this way, Lord. Help me reprogram my thinking. Make me a different way because my heart's deceitfully wicked and I don't even know what I'm supposed to want. But help me, I'm crying out to you. And I repent of my sin. You got to hear the bad news before you can hear the good news. You have to. That's just, that's just the truth. All right, let's look at one and two a little closer now. Stay with me. Stay with me. Lock in. Let's engage, okay? One and two. It says, but all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and to the unclean, to him who has sacrificed and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. Okay, this is a very important conclusion that Solomon came to, okay? Because he, he could not fully explain the depth of his discoveries through reason and experience. But Solomon could definitely proclaim that all things and all people are in the hand of God. You see, many would say today otherwise. But the reality is each person's destiny is in the hands of God. Things are not just random and by chance. You don't just run into somebody to run into somebody. There are divine encounters every day. But you and I have to have our spiritual antennas up to be aware of such things that are going on. Or else we're going to miss out on so much. And we're going to miss out on so many blessings that the Lord wants to shower upon our lives. This idea is echoed many places in scripture. For example, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water. In the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he will. <laughs> so you see, uh, you know, Joe Biden, uh, for example. The Lord is orchestrating these things. Not the Illuminati, not the secret societies. God is sovereign over all this stuff. And he will use evil for good. But you see, in our, in our, in our fragmented 
fragmented uh, mind, we, we can't conceive these things. They're beyond us. It's just it's like, you know, the great I am. He, he, he's life that has not been produced. He lives outside of space and time. He has no end. He has no beginning. Scratch your head about that one. I do it every day, all day. I stopped trying to figure it out a long time ago. I just have faith. Bullet Father, I take you at your word. You, you're, you're eternal. You're eternal. I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it to believe. And it's not a foolish belief. It's a childlike faith. It's like your child who's little and just believes, man, my daddy's going to take care of me, so I let him pick me up because he loves me. They just believe. They don't, they don't believe you're going to bang their head against something. I'm, I'm sorry. I, but I got to use this terminology because a childlike faith, they believe that the, the adult in their lives has their best interests at heart. And that's how we should be with God. God, I don't understand it all, but I know you have my best interests at heart and I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it and it looks crazy and I'm, it's, it's out of control and I have no control over the situation. But Lord, I know you're for me, not against me. If you honor God, he'll honor you. If you disobey and do it your own way, you will suffer. It's irrefutable. It's an irrefutable spiritual law. We have to get keen to this church because I see too many people suffering because they're trying to hold on when we need to just let go and let God. If you cannot tell, I'm pumped up about this. You see, God is sovereign over all his creation. And this sovereignness of God shows the inadequacy of us human beings. You see, God is God and we are not. The application is simply this. Even though our lives are in the hand of God, that doesn't excuse us to live however we want. You see, some people think, well, God's got it. God's in control. I can just do whatever I want and it's all good. I can just keep sinning and it'll bless me. No, absolutely not. That is not how we're supposed to live. There is still a responsibility that we have with the life and the talent and the intelligence and the revelation that he's given us. We are still responsible for our free will and how we choose to live. We don't know what God's judgment of our deeds will be after we die, but we still need to live right. Paul said something like this similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. He said, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation from God. You see, right here, Paul makes it clear that he is not aware of anything in his life that displeases God. But he declares that he's also not too sure. <laughs> he's not too sure. He's like, well, I mean, I don't know. That was the whole thing with me and the, the whole thing with, you know, giving to the, the, the you know, the um, International Fellowship of Christian and Jews. I'm like, Lord, I don't think you got anything, you know, against you. But it's like, man, I need to I need to do this because I know that it's the right thing to do. I don't want to second guess it later on and it'd be, you know, again, he's like, man, you just you, you, you did not steward the funds properly. Paul basically is saying he doesn't decide what pleases God. The same can be said about us. We will find out from God, not from our own judgment or other people's. You see, sometimes for some of us, we're just way too hard on ourselves. We're always like bashing ourselves. Man, I didn't do this. I didn't do this right. I didn't, I didn't get up earlier enough. I didn't, I didn't do this. I didn't read the word long enough. And it's like, God's like, man, I'm not. Bro, you're like, man, I love you, man. You're, I mean, that's what happened to Israel, right? 
They had, they had the Torah, and what did they do? They just added, 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 because they wanted to make sure. I, I, say, the, I say the title Yahweh, they won't even say that, because it's so holy to them. You know that they changed the J in Jehovah in English, right? Because they didn't want Gentiles to be desecrating the name of God. It's not even Jehovah. When you start doing word studies and all that, it's not even, it's not even Jehovah, they did it so that we wouldn't mess it up. <laughs> it's crazy. But that's how deep in they are. But they added on all this stuff. You, you, you don't got to add on anything. The childlike faith again. Just trust him. This fits the topic Solomon is about to introduce. The inevitability of death. Another way scripture can be interpreted is that man does not know the future. Right? You see, no crystal ball, <laughs> no tarot card. Please don't dabble in that, church. Don't go to some lady and pay some money, $100, so she could tell you who your next boyfriend's going to Don't do that. Don't read your horoscopes in the Mercury News. Please don't do that. That is street satanic. There's nothing good in that. No crystal ball, no tarot card can tell you the future. Next, we see this statement, whether it is love or hate, man does not know both are before him. The reality is love or hatred can come from other people, no matter what choices we make that are right. Have you ever done the right thing and someone still hate on you? <laughs> that happens all the time. That happens all the time. So, so we, we can't be preoccupied with trying to please people in that sense. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because you're going to get an attaboy. Because many times you ain't going to get anything for doing the right thing. If anything, they're going to they're gonna scoff at you. They're going to gnash their teeth at you because you're living a life that is above reproach and they hate you because they can't find dirt on you. <laughs> uh, I won't use the example I was going to use. I'll keep it in my head. <laughs> no matter, not only do we not control the future, right? But we also don't control the decisions of other people. The truth is, we do not know what tomorrow might bring. It's crazy because we were talking about all this in prayer. I didn't talk to Mark or Daniel. All this stuff is coming up. It's just a trip. To me, I'm tripping out. <laughs> but we still must remember this fact, saints, that the love and hatred of God cannot be measured and judged by man's outward condition. Okay, Sometimes we get this twisted, too. We think that, you know, oh, this person is prosperous, that that just means they must be blessed. And this person is poor, so they must be cursed. That's not necessarily the case at all. If prosperity were a certain sign of God's love and affliction of his hatred, then we would be justified to be mad seeing the wicked prosper and the godly suffer. But they don't fare alike. Think of this, uh, this example. You see... If God loves a righteous person, as he certainly does, and that person is happy, even though the world frowns upon him, what does that mean? Does that mean that he's not blessed? Of course he's blessed. It's just the world, I just, like I just talked about, they will gnash their teeth at you because you're living a godly life. You see, but we still have to answer this, uh, this question. How could God 
hate since God is love. People say that all the time. Well, God's just love. God's love. God would never hate. God would never do that. Do we understand that God is only one attribute of God? Do we understand that God is like a multifaceted diamond and there's so many layers to pull back that you and I could never understand all of his character? There's mysteries of God that we don't even understand. My puny little brain can't figure it out. I won't figure it out. Sure, God hates. Sure, God hates. And I'll show you biblically so you know it's not me and my opinion. People will say this, though. But, you know, God so loved the world. They use John 3.16 and he's all love. But if we look a little closer, the the Bible instructs us to actually hate evil. Amos chapter 5 verse 15 says, Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. God hates divorce. Malachi chapter 2 verse 16. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence. You think that's love? (laughs) Says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless in your marriages. God hates abominable actions. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done to their gods, little g, false gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Oh my goodness. To Moloch. You taking a nice little six-month-old baby and you, and you, you killing that baby. You, you letting that baby burn in the fire to worship a false god. You know, that's what I'm saying. They still doing the same thing. And I'm, not, I'm trying to be sensitive about the subject. But what do you think abortions are? They killing all these poor babies. Trying to say that they ain't alive. That's a life, man. That's conception. Now, I understand there's certain circumstances. I understand people can't take things back. I'm not trying to shame anybody or make anybody feel bad if that was the case. But let it be known, we are not to do those kind of things. Let life be life. The Lord is the one who should do that, not us. The Lord hates idolatry. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 22. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. We know that at the final judgment, all of our deeds will be evaluated by fire and self-seeking deeds will be burned away. That's crazy. <laughs> that's again, that's not, I'm, I feel like not the hot seat, but I'm like always on my toes about stuff because I'm like, man, Lord, I want to do the right thing. I just want to honor you. I just want to be faithful. I don't want to be doing things where it's just going to burn up. That's how it is when I'm making beats. I'm like, man, Lord, are these beats just going to burn up. If they're going to burn up, that sucks. But Lord, may your will be done in all this because if the music ain't what it want, you want it to be, then it is what it is. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only as through fire so what that's basically saying 
is if you spent your life doing good things for the right reasons with the Lord's anointing, those things are not going to burn up and you're going to receive a reward. If you're a Christian and you spent your time doing some things that you weren't supposed to be doing and you spent all this time and energy, it's all going to burn up. You will still be saved. You'll never lose your salvation. But the Lord's going to be like, you wasted a gang of time, bro. <laughs> you wasted all this time, man. What are you doing? You ain't, I'm not trying to be in the nosebleeds at, at the marriage supper of the land, y'all. I'm not trying to be on the upper decks like a candlestick park back in the day when I only went there. I'm trying to be down there on ground level, man. I'm trying to see the umpire's eyebrows. Like, man, I'm that close. You know? You don't want to just barely get in. You don't want to just barely get in. You, you, can, you can experience him now. You really can. The Lord will give an appropriate reward for the deeds of believers, including negative rewards for bad deeds. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10 and 11 tells us, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he or she has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, there I go. You cannot get away from the fear of God. Knowing the fear of the Lord will persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. He's basically saying, man, just don't, don't, don't lie to yourself. <laughs> Be honest with yourself. See, the best, sometimes the best thing to do is just throw yourself upon the mercy seat of God and say, Lord, help me. Help me. <laughs> Trust me, I, your pastor does it every day throughout the day. I do not have it figured out. I am not this smart guy up here preaching. I'm someone who goes through life and I'm constantly having to learn at a basic level. And that's okay. But it's when we we conceal it and we try to act like we're somebody we're not. That's when you get into a whole lot of trouble. So we know that what awaits us at the judgment can either be the pleasure of God for good deeds or the displeasure of God for evil deeds. You see, Father God, he still loves his children no matter what they do. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. But who we are is different from what we do. If we're honest, church, it just is what it is. Sometimes we make some horrible choices. I'll I'll put myself on blast again. (laughs) My son took a bath last night. And um, he's like, Dad, come in, man. I want to get baptized. I was like, what? I said, let's do it right now, man. Come on. I said, and then I was like, hold on. I think your mom want to see it. And then I went down and told Ronnie. She's like, you know, there's supposed to be witnesses. You can't do that. I said, what? And then I went, I went back down. I said, that's not biblical, man. What about the Ethiopian eunuch? There weren't nobody there. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, did you explain to him what it is? I said, I explained to him what it is. But it was just, it, 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 was, it, was, it was just so funny because it was like I, I was so ready to run with that. But it, you know, it just wasn't the time. So I digress. We didn't baptize him last night. But it was just still the whole idea, you know, that, um, <laughs> that we, were, we, we were trying to run with something. But the Lord has to be the one involved in all those things. Again, God knows the evil that we do. And he'll still receive us, but we'll still be judged for it. Think about it. It's like human parents. They're no different, right? You, you you don't you don't disown your children because they've done things that are not good in your sight. Yeah, you're disappointed. I think that's probably the the the, the most the most uh, how to say it like most hurtful thing is when you have to tell your child you're disappointed in them. It's like man, I'm disappointed in you. 
Like, ain't you going to smack me? Ain't you going to hit me? No, I'm just disappointed in you, man. <laughs> you know, and then they got to stew on that. And then they got to deal with that. And they got to let that wound heal. But but you don't, you don't disown them. You don't say you're not my child anymore. It's like, no, I love you. I eternally love you. We just had some, some grimy times. <laughs> you know, but that's our sanctification walk, right? Nobody's walk with Christ is perfect. It's ugly. It's grimy. There's some moments where it's beautiful and pretty. But there's other times where it's like, man, I want to forget that. I want to, I wish that never happened. But you see, God's discipline is a part of how our heavenly father discipline disciples us and disciplines us in order to conform us to the image of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse six tells us for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastens every son to whom he receives. So if you're being disciplined by the Lord right now, even though you don't like it, even though it, I'm going to say it for a lack of better words, it sucks. Know that you're saved. Know that he loves you. Know that through the discipline he's trying to forge in you, the, the, the character of Christ, just go through it. Because you don't want to keep going around the mountain again and again and again because you're not learning it. You're not using your wilderness experience for what it is. Do you want to be 69 years old still going through the wilderness? I mean, learn from the children of Israel. Don't, don't be there for 40 years. Learn it and get through it. And know that the Lord's got something better for you, but you've got to get through the grimy times. Stick close to the Lord and he will stick close to you. Amen. You see, sometimes the reaction from others in this life and the consequences of hate and sin might have a different application. Sometimes what awaits us for standing for what is right is hate from other people. And sometimes when people do evil, they are loved by others for doing it. You see, I see that a lot in you know, big industries. It's like, bro, you're living a despicable life. Why are these people gloating and, and drooling over you? You guys are weirdos. You're pedophiles and, and sickos and, 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 and you guys are leading people astray, but yet you're, you're winning awards and people are praising you. We, we don't want to desire that. The truth will come to light at some point. Either way, there is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, the inevitability of death. I don't care how many Grammy awards you win. You're going to die one day. I don't care how many Super Bowl trophies. I don't care if your bus is in the Hall of Fame. You're going to die one day. And if you weren't saved by Jesus Christ and you're just going to have a bus, you're going to be in hell talking about, I wish I would have got saved in that locker room when the, per- when the preacher came, <laughs> you know, or if you win all those Grammys, you would have wished you said, man, I, I shouldn't have been doing this music. I should have just went back to the church house and just did some gospel music and just been independent and just get, went that way and made my own money instead of paying these big old record companies and got pimped by them. I'm keeping it real. We have to decide what we really want. Is God worth it or is he not? The application is this, church. It doesn't matter how righteous we are or how wicked we are. The reality is no one can avoid death. No matter how wicked someone might live, they are still going to die and meet their judgment. Solomon says that there is one fate for the righteous and the wicked. Every person sees death, then will be judged. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 tells us, And just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment. No matter what we choose to believe, the truth is we cannot control life. We cannot avoid death. We cannot figure out the right maneuvers to avoid suffering, confusion, the misdeeds of others, or even our ultimate ultimate physical demise. We are not in control. We are in the hand of God. There are no tricks or knowledge or answers that are going to allow us to gain control. In this regard, we all have the same fate. The wise thing to do is make the most of our days by letting go of our compulsion 
to control everything and to understand everything. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 tells us, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Like today, you woke up today. Today is a miracle. You got to look at it like that. Because you could have died in your sleep. You could have had a brain aneurysm in your car driving over here and you would have killed three other people. I mean, I use these examples because they're real though. But you didn't. Your, your, your faculties are there. Your bowels are where they're supposed to be. You have a cognizant mind. So you're good. You're blessed. It's a miracle. Take it as that. Choose instead to live in faith and gratitude, submitting in obedience to the grace and goodness of God. Amen? All right, we have three more verses and then we're done. All right, verse three, it says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion. I laughed at that too. That's crazy. <laughs> for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Okay, Solomon here continues to describe the fate that all people share. And he says that it's evil. He's, again, remember, he's, he's, he's depressed in the sense that he, he can't understand, man, the righteous people die, the wicked people die. Well, well come on, Lord, what, what's going on? This is not fair. One evil is that humans live their lives and afterwards they will go to the dead. The same fates await the great and the small. Whether you're Bill Gates or whether you're the unnamed person, you're all going to see that same fate. The other is that the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and madness is in their hearts throughout their lives. The word madness can be translated uh, insanity. And we've all heard this before. It's said that insanity is what? Repeating the same thing over and over and over again and you expect a different result. It's like how many times you're going to bang your head <laughs> against that brick wall until you're going to realize, man, I didn't crack my head open. I'm bleeding and, you know, it's not working. I need to do something else. <laughs> we've all been there. I've been there and done foolish stuff over and over. I mean, 17 years. Goodness gracious. That was when the Lord first came into my life. And it took 17 long years of saying, nope, I'm good. Y'all weirdos. Y'all eat them crackers and drink that juice talking about flesh and blood. I'm straight. I'm not accountable. I'm going to do my own thing. I had no bearing. I had no understanding of what, you know, uh, you know, uh, all that was about. <laughs> When we come to attempting to control things, right, that we can't control, we're, we're, we're ultimately just practicing insanity. We're, we're trying to control everything. <laughs> An example is this. We, we can't control the decisions of others, but that doesn't stop us from trying. We, we, we try to micromanage our, our circumstance. Have you ever done that? You, you, you try to just keep it all together. But a lot of it is out of your control. The only thing you can control is your attitude and how you respond to things and what you're actually going to do. You know, that's why, that's why sometimes there's so much uh, heartache in marriage. Because, you know, some people, somebody has to forgive somebody, right? And, and somebody has to forgive even if the other party doesn't receive the, 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 the forgiveness. 
you forgive for your own benefit. So your heart's not, not, not burdened with the anger and, 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 and the frustration and the pain. You say, no, I relinquish it. I give it to the Lord and I forgive this person. Now, when you're ready, you can forgive me and then we can get on. But, you know, so many times nobody wants to budge. <laughs> or we just try to control it. And it's like, because I've been through that. Where it's like, uh, you know, and you, you hear that verse. It's like, oh, if you're not right with your wife, then the Lord don't even hear you. And I'm like, okay, well, man, I can, how, how can I preach? We just got in a fight. <laughs> I can't come to the church. I don't want, and, you know, I don't, don't want to go spilling our business. Stop. Anyways, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> These things happen. It's crazy. We can't fight off death forever, right? But we often behave as though we're immortal. Now, I know you because you're saved people. You don't do this. But, you know, we hear things nowadays. 70s, the new 50. Really? Really? Hey, there's some people out there talking like this. <laughs> 70s, the new 50, bro. I just bought a Harley. <laughs> uh, bro, your knee's about to buckle. You're about to fall off that bike. You can't, <laughs> you can't even stay straight on that thing. I think that it's just the numbers are starting to run a little closer to us than we'd like. And so we make statements like that. But refusing to face reality isn't our only problem. We go on to read, also the hearts of the children of men are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. The term children of man refers to the human race, right? So the human race, we have hearts that are full of evil. And you can't put it on Adam and Eve because if you were there, you would have messed up too. If I was there, I would have messed up too. It just is what it is. We've inherited this sin nature. So we got a dilemma. Man, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I mean, you put two children in a playpen, what happens? They fight. Man, my son is eight. My daughter's four. It's always fighting and bickering and yelling. And he's teasing and she's yelling. I'm like, can't y'all just get along, man? One day, y'all be stressing me out, man. It's because that's sin nature. It's that sinful nature. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're handsome children. But they, they're, they're sinners. They're little sinners. They're little sin sinners bundled in joy. <laughs> and it's been like this since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. After God destroyed the earth because it had filled with violence, he instituted human government and gave humans the moral authority to take life for a life in order to prevent the earth from filling with violence again. See, I think we failed in this country where we got rid of martial law or not martial law. I'm sorry, but, you know, capital punishment. Right. Like, like, dude, like if you've got to get exterminated, I'm sorry, but you know what? You got to you know, you, you got to do it. Now we got all these prisoners. The prisons are overflowing. They're letting out convicted felons that have done horrible stuff. I'm not talking if you just did some little stuff. I'm talking about, man, bro, you straight perverted and you did stuff that you need to pay for. Why? Because we stopped, we, we stopped saying an eye for an eye. That was meant to keep evil at a minimum. Now you got sickos on every corner and you don't know what's going to happen because these weirdos are up in the schools, they're everywhere, and they're, they're, they're getting their tentacles in all these young children. Genesis chapter 9 verses 5 through 6 says, And from your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will, will require it from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made a man in his own image. That's why, you know what, anybody, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can have a gun. 
Are you, are you prepared for what's going to happen after you use that gun? See, a lot of people don't think about that. You know, are you ready for what's going to happen if you take that life? Are you prepared? Because if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. That's a, just, a, that's just a thought. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> the Apostle Paul recognized his own heart as being full of evil. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Stay with me, church. I'm going to wrap it up soon. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So we must be asking ourselves, well, what's the solution? Because, man, this is pretty depressing, man. You're telling me all this stuff. What's the solution? As it is, again, you, you, you just have to hear the bad news before you hear the good news because there is a solution. The solution is this. Our reliance upon Father God through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, because unless you're Enoch, who got taken out of here and didn't die, <laughs> you're probably going to face death. So we have to be prepared. You see, but, but when we place our faith and hope in Christ alone, we have the absolute assurance of eternal life with him. Solomon next tells us that for whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. He made it clear that death is a common fate. Solomon is basically saying as long as we are in the land of the living, we will still have hope. He uses this analogy for, uh, for a live dog is better than a dead lion. The lion represents the king of the beast, right? While a dog is a lowly animal. So he's saying it's better to still be alive than to be a dead king lying in a fancy tomb. Ask King Tut about that. Being buried with, with millions of dollars of gold. That gold didn't carry with him to the afterlife. It's still there. They excavated it and now it's got a billion dollar insurance policy on it. How'd that work out? Think about it truly for a minute. What are we living for? Because the living know that they will die, but the dead will no longer receive their wages. Their reward is living life under the sun. As long as we remain alive, we have the hope and reward of this life. But we also must deal with the inevitability of death. What does this all mean? Well, the application is this. We can respond in one of two ways. We can either cry, frightened by the doom of death, or we can rejoice in the joy of opportunity granted to us by Father God who gives us life. You see, as Christians, we should be grateful for every day that we live, every breath that we take. Because once we die, that's it for this life. It's, 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 it's finito. It's finished. It's done. There is, there's no reovers. You're not coming back as a butterfly or as a monkey. You're done. There is no reincarnation. There's no second chances. The reality is this. Honestly, every day that you wake up is a second chance. It's another day to try to get it right. But do you and I actually recognize that? Or do we just mull over the bad things that happened in the past? We can, sometimes we got to have a short memory and just be like, you know what? That's in the past. His mercies are new every morning. I'm moving forward. I don't care what happened last week. I don't care what the rap sheet says. I'm moving forward in Christ. And that's what it is. In regard to the non-believer, their memory will be forgotten. But not so for the followers of Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 7, uh, uh, 10 verse 7 says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. As Isaiah and Michelle come up, I'm just going to end with this um, last few little points real quick. But for the righteous and the wicked, both will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. Our opportunity to make choices in life will perish when we die. 
Today, while we are alive, we can make good choices. We could choose to love or to hate. But once we die, our zeal, our energy to act will have perished. This is a complicated picture. Death is both a relief and the end of an opportunity. It is a freedom and a loss. Solomon is actually setting up some of the conclusions of this book by pointing out that life is short, so we need to embrace every single moment that we live and live well. Despite all of this, there is still hope. Why? Through the bread of life, through the living water who is Christ Jesus. I'll end with this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7. through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though Now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Father God, we just, we, we come and we bow our hearts before you. Lord, we ask that you would help us, Lord. That you would pick us up. That you would take us to where you want us to be. That you would give us a mind that is fixed on you. And that we wouldn't be bogged down by the different circumstances of our lives that seem to try to drain us of our life. Lord, we need revival in you. Lord, right now, I I pray for every single individual, Lord, under the sound of my voice, that that they would come to a place, that that they would want uh, the intimate relationship with you to grow, that they would be concerned about themselves. Because if we are are, are going before you and getting right before you, then everything else, uh, you know, horizontally in our relationships will work right. But we got to work on that vertical relationship first. So, Father, please, would you help us to simply just humble ourselves and receive your love, receive your mercy, receive your grace. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Um, This morning, I'd like to pray for communion. And um, I know that, you know, it it, it is a private thing. We don't typically do it corporately, but um, I'd like to pray this morning for communion. So, Father God, we... um, we just thank you, Lord, for the fact that we get to celebrate in this ordinance of, of communion, Lord. And, and we know that there's, there's no magical power in the cracker and the juice, but we understand the symbolism behind it, Lord. And your word clearly says that we are to take a moment and, and do business with you before we go run to that table and get the cracker and the juice. Because if we take it flippantly and treat your blood as if it is common and trample on the blood of Christ, then we're actually 
bringing judgment upon ourselves when we take the cracker and, and, and drink the juice. So, Father, I pray that you would just give us a moment that we would be still before you and allow you to examine our hearts. And, and maybe there's something that, that, that's gone on this week and we have a check in our heart and there's someone we need to forgive and there's, there's someone we, we need to reach out to. Or maybe we just haven't spent time with you enough and we need to be right with you and we need to repent for our attitude and how we've been to our spouses or our children or just people around the way. Whatever it is. Lord, bring it to our attention so that we can do business with you and ask for forgiveness and ask for cleansing because we know that you're faithful and just and you'll come in and you'll rub a scrub a dub dub and clean us up and we'll be good and there'll be no shame and there'll be no, there, there'll be no ill feelings and there'll be no guilt. And then we could eat of the cracker and drink of the juice freely knowing that we're blessed. So Father, I thank you and I praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that I pray. Amen.